Everyone without health insurance is guaranteed to get it, and everyone who likes theirs can go ahead and keep it. We do not believe that billionaires have the right to buy elections. So that was a little bit from Michael Bloomberg's TV ad that hit the waves over the weekend. Biggest ad buy in the history of ad buys. Bernie Sanders is among Democrats who don't like the idea of billionaires jumping into the race. I don't want to talk that much about Michael Bloomberg. I think that, one, new candidates with no shot get way too much attention, and particularly if they're from New York. But uh, a different way of going about running for the presidency I find interesting, and I'm happy to be talking with Mark Halperin this morning, the author of How to Beat Trump, America's Top Political Strategist's Take on, uh, on What It Will Take. And we did a long-form podcast on this a couple of weeks ago which is still available out there. Fantastic conversation as he talked to a whole bunch of strategists, both sides of the aisle, on Trump and how good he is or isn't at running for president and what it would take to beat him. Anyway, Mark Halpern joins us now. Mark, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Jack, great to be back. Thank you. Hey, the only, and again, I I, I just am not that interested in Michael Bloomberg. I think he's got no shot. <laughs> I think he gets way too much attention because he was a New Yorker and most media is in New York, but... Is there a chance that a guy can jump in this late, bypass Iowa and New Hampshire? Is the old model of running for president, the old primary system, soon to be an anachronism? That's my question. Yeah, Jack, look, I agree with you. I think he's got next to no chance. And I also, although I'm a resident of Gotham City, I agree that there's way too much focus on New Yorkers uh, disproportionately. I will say this. I think the greatest impact he can have on this race is he can make Elizabeth Warren the nominee because he's going to spend a lot of money uh, and he's going to have to take down Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg if he's going to have any chance. And he's going to spend an unprecedented amount of money. So I, don't, I agree with you. He, probably, he almost certainly won't be the nominee. I don't even think he'll be a player because I don't think you can skip the first four states. But I do think by dividing the moderate vote, he's going to make it more likely that Elizabeth Warren becomes a nominee. Every four years we get emails, we get calls from people saying, why does Iowa play such a role in choosing our candidates? Why does it, and why yeah. does it still? Yeah, look, I've talked to so many Californians about this who say, you know, it's not a diverse state, it's not a large state, it's biggest city, Des Moines. Uh, you know, I don't know how many how many cities in California are bigger than Des Moines, but plenty of them are. The reason why is, which is legit, is they spend time meeting candidates. Uh, you know, in California, as you know, politicians spend most of their time making TV ads and raising money. In Iowa and New Hampshire, above all the other states, the citizenry takes their responsibility seriously, and it puts it on a human scale. It makes it so you have to look real people in the eye, real Americans, and say, here's what you want to do. It's not fair. They're disproportionately influential, but there's a trade-off here because we let Iowans and, and people from New Hampshire, granted staters, do the kind of culling of the process that, that I think is important. I wish they were more diverse states. I wish they were more representative of the country, but unfortunately, that's the system that we have. It's not perfect, but I do think it's better than just having the big states decide through TV ads. We're talking to Mark Halpern. He's got the book, How to Beat Trump, and I'll tell you, it's the best political book out there, I think, mostly because it's not designed on one side or the other to just uh, appeal to a certain crowd. It's just a really interesting book about what's going on with politics right now. Um so on Iowa again, I've always liked the idea of the small states. It's just it's a focus group. It's getting together as big a focus group as you can manage and actually uh, you know meet the the voters and that sort of thing. The diversity is a problem. Is the fact that Pete Buttigieg has got zero percent of the black vote in South Carolina anything he needs to worry about or can turn around? 
Well, he certainly needs to worry about it uh, because he's not going to be the Democratic nominee or the president of the United States if he doesn't get get more acquainted with African-American voters. The reality is he's done well fundraising. He's done well getting national press, but he's focused most of his attention on those first two states. And and, and look, uh, people are focused on his lack of appeal right now to African-American voters. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren aren't doing much better. Joe Biden is really dominating there, although he's doing poorly in Iowa and New Hampshire. So I think if Pete Buttigieg finishes high, first, second, maybe even third in Iowa and New Hampshire, I think South Carolina voters, uh, I think voters uh, in the first Western primary uh, caucuses, rather, will will look at him. And I think he can do better than he's doing now with with, uh, non-white voters. And he has to do better, and he knows that. But he's struggled so far mightily to, to, to break through, in part because... He's not uh, he's not he's not known by those people. And and despite his fundraising, it's very difficult to get known by people in those states right now. That debate last week made no news. didn't get very big ratings. Of course, you got impeachment going on. That's part of it. But nothing happened during the debate either. How come the other candidates didn't take on Buttigieg and think here we got to bring this guy down? Well, I think although although they've been phrased in some quarters, I didn't think the questions were very good. That, that 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 they didn't they didn't lay the groundwork to let the candidates have a robust debate. Number one, number two, I think that people have studied history, and in crowded nomination fights, candidate A attacks candidate B. It may hurt candidate B, but historically, it does not help candidate A. When you attack somebody, you basically you, you blow yourself up while you're blowing somebody else up, and that lets some other candidate C or D benefit. So it's it's difficult to say how you're going to leapfrog over someone if you don't go negative on them or you don't highlight the contrast between you. But right now, even though we're, we're you know, a couple months away from the voting, these candidates are still cautious. They don't want to hurt themselves through negative attacks. And there's no doubt the mood amongst Democratic voters, almost anybody I talk to will say we want to win. And what they don't want is is a nominee who's so roughed up that all Donald Trump has to do is is repeat the lines that were used to attack the person who becomes the eventual nominee. So that's part of it as well. They really are committed to winning and know and they know that if they go after the other people in, the, in this field, they run the risk of being blamed, as some blame Bernie Sanders from four years ago, for really roughing up the eventual nominee. Can can Elizabeth Warren get away with completely changing her position on Medicare for all and walking it back that far? You mean on what she's done already, or if she becomes a nominee? If she well, either way, are the other candidates going to get I mean, let her get away with it during the race? And if she becomes the nominee, yeah. won't the original quotes just be in ads all over the country? Yeah, I think her current position is is kind of ridiculous to say I'm for I'm for single pay health care, but I'm going to pass it in my third year in office. Again, if you look at history, there's no precedent for that. So I think she's still you know going to be tagged by people who think taking private health insurance away from 180 million people is a bad idea. And she's going to get less credit from people who want single payer who say, come on, Bernie Sanders says he'll do this in his first year. Why? Why will you only do it in your third year? So I don't think her position is substantively is realistic. I don't think it's politically smart as for whether she could go back more towards the center if she if she became the nominee. I think it's impossible. I don't I think the days of people being able to kind of change their positions in a general election with YouTube and Twitter and and uh, Instagram and everything else. I just think I just think it's impossible. I think she. I think she also believes in single payer, and she's going to be running on it if she's the nominee. And there are people around the President Trump who say, if the Democratic nominee is for single payer, our chances of winning this thing go up astronomically. Well, I would agree with that. Um, what, the politics of impeachment right now, where are you on that? Nancy Pelosi was right. Donald Trump is not going to be convicted by the Senate, and it is probably going to help him politically. 
Right now, I think he'd get every vote in the House from the Republicans. He might even get some Democrats to vote to uh, not to forward the articles of impeachment to the Senate. And there's no indication that a single Republican senator on the current evidence would impeach him. Now, one thing that think, I think is not discussed enough is what are going to be in the articles of impeachment? Will it be restricted to things that the president's accused of related to Ukraine? Or might they bring back the Mueller report? Might they bring up the fact that he's not released his tax returns? There's, there's all sorts of things that some Democrats are tempted to put in there. I believe whatever they put in there, you know, what he did with Ukraine is outrageous. And there are plenty of Republicans in Congress who think it's outrageous and some who will say so. But they are not going to slit their own political risks by impeaching the president and then convicting him uh, on, on the current evidence. So Nancy Pelosi resisted this for such a long time because she knew that this would probably drive the party further to the left, polarize the two parties even more, and let Donald Trump take a victory lap at the end of the thing, saying once again he is he is exonerated. It won't it won't be true, but it will be politically true. Allow him to say it. So I think I think this it, it, I see why the Democrats on principle wanted to do it, but I think Nancy Pelosi's original instincts were correct. Yeah, I'll bet she's she kicking herself into- We've all had those moments yeah. in life where we, we our instincts are telling us something, and then somehow we go the other direction. And then we think, we knew yeah. it. I was I knew it. My instincts told me this, yeah. and I ignored my instincts. I'll bet that's what well, she's screaming she, in her office. Yeah. I think when she pulled the trigger on it, she knew that it was still a mistake. But the problem was the pressure within the Democratic Party, particularly in the congressional wing of the Democratic Party, was overwhelming. And she would have started to lose control of the party had she not gone, gone forward with it. And I think she's tried to work with Adam Schiff, another California member, to, to, to make this as, as dignified as possible, to make it as, as serious as possible. But, you know, the, the people, people in the press are so pro-impeachment for the most part that they, 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 they kind of play down the ways this has been a failure. The ratings have been horrible. I mean, they're not as high as they were for the Kavanaugh hearings. The American people are rightly or wrongly. They're below the Cohen hearings. Not, I mean, that was yeah. a nothing compared to impeaching yeah. a president. Right. Yeah. People are not engaged in this. Even Democrats, a lot of Democrats aren't engaged in it. They should be. It's important. It's historic. But they're not engaged in it. And so Nancy Pelosi said publicly, and she believed it in her heart, you cannot impeach a president in a partisan manner. That's not the right way to do it. This is right now lining up to be a completely partisan vote. And as I said, her biggest fear was this would make the president more formidable for reelection than he already was. And I think she was right. How big a deal is it that that Bernie and Elizabeth won't be on the campaign trail if the Senate's doing their trial at the same time? It's a pretty big deal because, you know, as we said earlier in our conversation, Iowans and people in New Hampshire expect the candidates to look at them face to face. Now, it'll be somewhat of an excused absence. People people will know why they're not there. But it's going to allow Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg uh, to campaign. You know, Mayor Pete Buttigieg is mayor of South Bend. His term is actually up in early January. So although he's not spent much time in South Bend, he'll be completely free to campaign. And I think that, that those senators are going to be are going to be at a disadvantage, not only because they won't be able to be on those in those states. They won't be able to be in the Super Tuesday states like California. They won't be able to spend much time fundraising. They'll be locked down. It will have an, it will have an impact on the race, but they're. They're going to have to rely on their staff and their surrogates and, and maybe TV appearances back into those states to try to take advantage of that platform. But remember, senators don't speak during the impeachment hearing, so they're going to spend most of their days just sitting there in silence. And 
that's unlikely to win them a single vote in Iowa. The book is How to Beat Trump by Mark Halperin, and it's the best political book out there right now on the uh, the current state of politics. It's not pro-Trump. It's not anti-Trump. It's just really interesting analysis of what's going on. Mark Halperin, thanks for your time. Thanks for agreeing with my mom that it's the best book. <laughs> you betcha. I really do think it is the best political book out there right now on uh, the state of politics, partially because he talked to strategists on the right and the left and just quotes what they say. And they all think Trump is most likely going to win. And as he was just saying, I think impeachment's going to help him win, which is damned interesting. And we're hopefully going to be talking to Mark on a on a semi-regular basis throughout the election. I always really like his analysis. I thought it was interesting that he thought the questions were bad for the debate. I've seen that burble up a couple of places now, and people making some really interesting points on that. Um, maybe at some point we'll tackle that. I don't know. Uh, definitely want to get off politics for now. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. That's uh, Taylor Swift from last night, the American Music Awards, which is a, an award show, apparently. No, I know that one. That's one of your big ones with the Grammys. That'd be your two biggest music award shows, right? Other than the country music award show that they have every other week on television. <laughs> uh, the AMA, AMAs, Taylor Swift, passed Michael Jackson for the most of all time. She um, surpassed his 24, and she now has 26. And last night, she got six including Artist of the Year and Artist of the Decade. Um, And really the only reason I mention it is Taylor Swift is such a phenomenon. I mean, uh, she's not really my thing, but um, I know people, especially with daughters, you got the uh, the, the 40-ish-year-old mom crowd that's been into Taylor Swift since they were young, and then their their little girls are super into it. And it's a multi-generational huge deal for a lot of families. When Taylor Swift uh, concert comes near you or whatever, or a new album comes out. Um, I have boys, so it's not as big a deal. But uh, she's a gazillionaire. Her parents put her out on the street corner singing and stuff in, I think they moved to Nashville. And she was like a little kid. So she's one of those uh, um, um, acts where the parents somehow recognized that she had some talent or whatever, and started her down that road early. That is the last thing I would ever do with my child. I mean, it seems to have worked out for her. Of course, you don't know what she's like behind the scenes. But, uh, the, God, the last thing I would ever do in the world is want to get my kid into show business. Think, well, you know, my kid's kind of attractive and kind of a good singer. I think I'll get him involved with the scumbags of show business. But anyway, um, got a lot of texts about Mark Halperin. I hope we can have him on on a regular basis. I find him to be a really interesting dude. Um, I like his um, uh, takes on politics. I think they stand out as different from a lot of your standard takes. His willingness to say, I don't think Bloomberg's a big deal. His willingness to say, I don't think they ask very good questions at the bait. I hadn't heard, I, I hadn't heard other people say that, so I'm for that. I just got a text from my wife that my... We got the flu going through our house, so that does she just, text on the text line, or is that to your personal phone? She sends it to my personal phone. Okay, that's probably which better. Is cool, yeah. Um, so uh, one of them is sick and vomiting, 
So you know how that works if you've got kids. The other one gets it, then you both get it. Well, this is typically a low-stress week, so that should be fine. <laughs> we were talking the other day about when the norovirus went through oh. our house, <laughs> which you've had that, right, Sean? And, uh, the worst 36 hours of my life. Yeah, yeah. All, all my family says it's the sickest they've ever been. And for whatever reason, some people don't get it, and I didn't get it. And when it went through our house, I was telling them about it the other day because they actually don't remember it. Um, my wife definitely remembers it. But I was, as the only healthy person, doing laundry constantly. I would wash towels and sheets and pillows and everything like that. And they would vomit on the ones that I'd just put on the bed or on the floor or on the couch. And then I'd get those out of the dryer and clean up that vomit and move it in. It was just not like 24 hours a day. It was nonstop washing. It was just, oh. Henry said he did actually remember me following him with a towel and like the carpet cleaner, as he crawled along the carpet, just everywhere he went, yep. vomiting yep. nonstop. Oh, oh yeah. wow! Is that the way it was for you? It's close. <laughs> I, I mean, oh, I I made deliberate decisions to be within about fifteen feet of a receptacle at all times, and uh, yeah, I was hanging out in the bathroom a lot. God help you if you ever get the norovirus. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Rudy's latest effort to clear up his controversial comment over the weekend, and we got a new report on China's reeducation camps yeah i saw that uh, i saw that that's interesting stuff we think we understand what rudy was talking about stay tuned boy finding out my son has got the flu at home and is throwing up oh. all of a sudden made me feel queasy oh. i hope i didn't bring it in and give it to all you guys then you can take it home to your family, Hanson, and you can enjoy your Thanksgiving. Won't that be a good time? Uh, <laughs> uh, a couple of notes. Really sick to my stomach, and I, I threw up yesterday. Coming up, they arrested, or they didn't arrest, he's dead. And they figured out, they'd arrest him if he was alive, another spy who gave the Russians the information for the bomb way back in the day. Wow. How the Soviet Union got their bombs uh, spying on us. They figured out another spy just recently. Kind of an interesting story right now. The news with Marshall Phillips. Well, President Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, has been stirring the pot during an interview on Fox over the weekend when Ed Henry asked if he was worried the president might ultimately turn on him. I've seen things written like, he's going to throw me under the bus. Right. When they say that, I say, he isn't, but I have insurance. (laughs) I have insurance and a short laugh. Well, we now have figured out what it means, what it is. As a, as a, another older person sent us, said that's a joke. It's a you throw me under the bus. That's okay. I've got insurance. If I get hurt, I'll be okay. It's a dad joke. Well, it's late, a not particularly funny joke. I later, think. later though, Giuliani took to Twitter saying the statement I made several times of having an insurance policy of thrown under the bus is sarcastic and related to the files in my safe about the Biden family's four decades of monetizing his office. Okay, now I'm even more confused. What so, are you talking he about, had an old easy man? Out and he didn't take it. This is fascinating. <laughs> now he says, "What are you talking about?" He says, "If I disappear, it will appear immediately." You have stuff on Biden, so that's going to keep Trump from throwing you under the bus. <laughs> yes. The frick does that mean? He says, "If I disappear, it will appear immediately, along with my RICO chart." RICO, of course, Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, basically outlining leaders who are in charge of a syndicate of criminals. And that's why Trump's not going to throw you under the bus. 
That makes no sense, you crazy old man. (laughs) That is the latest from Rudy on that. The Chinese government has detained more than a million people from ethnic minorities, most of them Muslims, for what it calls voluntary job training. That's what it is. But a classified blueprint leaked to news organizations show the camps are instead precisely what former detainees have described, force ideological and behavioral re-education centers run in secret. The documents also show how China is using high-tech mass surveillance to target people for detention. The government calls all this a total fabrication. And no, these are job training centers. Yeah, well, they're concentration camps, and there's a ton of people in there. And you uh, you come home from college and find out your family's gone, and you're told, well, you better be good or they're going to be in there a long time, according to the New York Times. The interesting question to me is, who's leaking this information? Somebody with some pretty good contacts in the Communist Party leaked this information. Because remember, the New York Times weekend before last had 400 pages of private memos and speeches from President Xi and others. So is it somebody who doesn't agree with the policy or wants Xi to go? Or I have no idea. Wasn't there a fairly high-level Chinese security guy who defected to Australia a month or so ago? I do remember that story. I don't know. Maybe that's where it comes from. I think he may be the source for some of this information. Meanwhile, we're all watching RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She is out of the hospital after getting treated over the weekend for a possible infection. Is that twice in like a week and a half she went in the hospital? Pretty close to it, yep. Man, when you're when you're almost 90 and you go in the hospital for something, then get back out for a couple of days, then go back in for something else. It's, uh, I know how that usually goes. Yep. I hope it's not going that direction. But the court is, If uh, she were my grandma, I'd be worried. I'd be very, very worried about her. The high court is saying 86-year-old, 86-year-old Ginsburg returned to her home in D.C. and was, quote, doing well. She looks frail as an eggshell. I guess she's stronger than that. Oh, yeah. No, she does look really frail. A couple of those live shots they did with her sitting with the other justices. I'm not sure our our country and our political system could handle another Supreme Court justice hearing in the midst of a presidential election and impeachment. Would, th- would that include... <clears throat> Mitch McConnell now getting in front of cameras arguing why we should. Oh, yeah. Appoint- oh, yeah. That'd be fascinating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's a given. No, in this particular instance, for this reason I just thought of, it would be a good idea in an election year <laughs> right. to name a justice. But uh, that aside, it would be, oh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Gearing up for the holidays, retail analysts expect Americans to spend more than a trillion dollars on holiday shopping this year. For the first time ever. That would be about almost 4% more than last year on six fewer shopping days between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So you're looking at the trillion-dollar Christmas. And singer Taylor Swift surpassed Michael Jackson as the most decorated artist in the history of the American Music Awards. During the show last night, she was named Artist of the Decade, Artist of the Year, in addition to taking home the award for Favorite Pop Rock Album. Swift surpassing Jackson's record of 24 American Music Awards. And Taylor did get around to performing a medley of her hits. There you go. A section of the Boy, medley. if I were a 12-year-old girl, I would have really loved that. <laughs> and taking home other awards, Billie Eilish for New Artist of the Year. 
I like her. Billie Eilish is a, yeah. she, she makes some fun music. Yep. And uh, she, really interesting stuff too. And she's uh, only seventeen, so she. I yeah, didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, she, quite young. Uh, her brother does uh, a vast majority, if not all, of her musical production as well. They're uh, uh, pretty tight, yeah. it seems. Yeah. That's your news. Are I'm you Mark. suggesting uh, there's a relationship there? Uh, I, no, I don't believe so. Okay. No, but, but that's what you're trying to say. No, no. If that's okay. what I was trying to say, uh, apologies. What? That's your news. I'm, quite the scandal. I'm Marshall Phillips. Yeah, oh, Rudy Giuliani. I can't. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's our new Rudy Giuliani clip. Let's hear it again. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm Marshall Phillips of the Armstrong oh, and Getty boy. Show. The conscience of the nation. So, over the weekend, Harvard and Yale played football. With a whole bunch of students whose moms and dads uh, paid their way into uh, getting accepted to those universities, I'm assuming. And they ran out onto the field and interrupted the game in the name of climate change. They were out there and they were protesting. They were chanting, hey, hey, ho, ho, fossil fuels have got to go. And then they started chanting, okay, boomer. Clap, 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 clap. Okay, Boomer. I, I feel like the okay, Boomer thing has seriously yeah. jumped the shark. It's just, it's lost yeah. all its charm. Okay, Boomer. Had a short shelf life. It's very short. Well, that's the modern world. Like Chris Rock says, here today, gone today. Uh, things come and go very quickly. But they ran out of the field to highlight climate change. Um, probably couldn't get a group of kids in America who have more private... Uh, more uh, airtime flying on private flights right, right. In, in any other place in the world, maybe. They had some spacing problems on the sign I saw them holding out because it, it, it was essentially Harvard and Yale are complicit in, and what it was trying to say was uh, climate injustice. But what the spacing made it seem like they are complicit in climate injust ice. They had too much of a space in, gotcha. the, in the word justice there. So you got the kids that are that, that, that right. they're going to these right. two fancy universities. Their parents paid their way in, claim they're on the crew team or whatever, and they're complaining about their universities. So that's what it was? Okay. I didn't quite get it. Whatever. Ho-hum. Hey, hey, ho-ho. Fossil fuels have got to go. You got that story about catching another spy, a World War II spy, still from the Soviet-U.S. battle. They just unearthed the guy, and I thought it was kind of an interesting story, among other things. That I want to get into some of uh, the very latest poll numbers on both impeachment and the Democratic race. We got Borat getting serious, which is a strange thing to hear. Why is Borat getting serious? We've got that later, too, on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. As many of you know, a lot of my opponents like to throw the word socialist around for me. But let me ask you, is it fair that only the top 2% often get a free biscotti with their coffee? (laughs) We would all love a free biscotti. You dip it, you dunk it, it's delicious. So if that's socialism, sign me up. Tell me this. Is it fair that when the top 2% want to turn off the lights in their bedroom, all they have to do is clap? <laughs> they got the clapper. Shouldn't we all have clappers? Either everybody has a clapper or nobody has a clapper. And that's the America I want to live in. You can't get a better Bernie Sanders than Larry David on Saturday Night Live. Bernie Sanders barely does a better oh, Bernie yeah. Sanders. It's just dead on good. 
How about uh, so? Who else did we like from that? Uh, you want more of uh, Will Ferrell as yeah. billionaire Tom Steyer? <laughs> yes. I want to speak directly to you, America. <laughs> Healthcare is important, but housing affects everything. Where you sleep, where you shop, where you get your shoes shined, where you buy your jewels, where you raise peacocks. Am I relatable? <laughs> that made me laugh out loud. Tom Steyer is an odd presence on the debate stage. For whatever reason, he just he doesn't have the normal gene, uh, which Will Ferrell made fun of very well. Uh, <laughs> where are you? Where you buy your peacocks? <laughs> oh God, that's funny. Uh, Matt Getz is that the way you pronounce his name? Rep- uh, rep- uh, Republican from Florida. He was on CNN yesterday. We had just mentioned how a particular phrase may have jumped the shark. You're about to see it jump the shark on CNN. When politicians start saying it, that's when it's over. I have worked to be a positive influence with the president on marijuana reform. Uh, to my friend Kellyanne Conway, I would say, okay, boomer. I mean, that's a very oh, boomer oh, approach to marijuana oh, for oh, no other reason that it's actually that THC, okay, not good. TCH. That's, uh, that, that hurt. Pokemon, go to the polls. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Man, it's amazing. Okay, huh? boomer. <laughs> it's rough. When politicians try to do that, it's just... Okay, boomer. Oh, wow. The night... <laughs> Uh, the nice woman from Minnesota, what's her name? Klobuchar. She she has a bit of a problem that with some of her lines are not uh, not that good. Um, historians found another spy just recently had gotten away. Would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for your meddling kids. Uh, going all the way back to World War II. Person has long since passed, obviously, mm-hmm. but. The first atomic bomb was detonated on July 16, 1945. Now, if you're a World War II fan like I am, that would strike you as you'd think, July 16th. The first bomb was detonated on July 16th. We dropped the bomb on Japan the first week of August. So it was just two weeks later that we actually used it in the war to end World War II with Japan. Anyway, that's how important the race for the atomic bomb was. Well, Sweden developed the atomic bomb at Los Alamos, just outside Santa Fe in New Mexico. I've been there. And just 49 months later, unfortunately, the Soviets detonated nearly an identical device. And we thought, holy crap, we thought we had the bomb and nobody else did, and the Soviet Union had it. How did they get it? Well, we knew a couple of spies that had contributed to that, that had gotten into the Los Alamos laboratory and sent the uh, information back. But they just discovered another spy. That was uh, that was in there. So they had four different spies in our top secret lab where we're developing the atomic bomb, the most devastating weapon in the history of the world and still is today. And uh, they had spies in there to send the plans right back and they built their own. That is that is a failure right there. Is there a sense that were these people already spies before the application process to get into that? Or did they find people who were comp? easily compromised already in there there were different there were different kinds there there's both kind of wow. uh, soviet spies but yeah it's amazing that they were able to that quickly to get that information anyway and troubling of course uh but they just figured out who the guy was just recently and um you know what are you gonna do you can't arrest him or anything at this point glenn beck has a copy of the gettysburg address in his office and nobody can quite figure out how that happened yeah glenn beck the radio host 
has a copy of the Gettysburg Address in his office, valued at $20 million. He got it sent to him in the mail by, uh, by um, well, the, the people that, that keep these sorts of things, the archivists. And uh, I guess they were Glenn Beck fans and thought that'd be cool, and they sent it over to him, and wow. there he has it. He said, I'll try not to get chocolate sauce on it. That's that's a good first maneuver. That'd be pretty cool. Protect it from chocolate sauce, Glenn. Yeah. Um, and then All this. sauces while you're at it. Barbecue sauce, that'd be bad to get on there. You know, I've never actually seen the Borat movie. I probably should. It's I'm, a cultural touchstone. Right. It is not Sasha Baron at his best. I think his his best stuff and what I first discovered him as was the Ollie G character. Um, but yeah, Borat is certainly what launched him to another stratosphere. He has uh, he has done things that I thought haven't been cool in terms of uh, embarrassing people that are where he's gone too far. Um, but generally, he's you know he's a prankster. Well, this is him being incredibly serious. Sasha Baron Cohen being incredibly serious about the role that high tech plays in our world and what they could do, and him turning his attention toward it. Now nah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Mark Zuckerberg seemed to equate regulation of companies like his to the actions of the most repressive societies. Incredible. This from one of the six people who decide what information so much of the world sees. Zuckerberg at Facebook, Sundar Pichai at Google, at its parent company, Alphabet, Larry Page and Sergey Brin, Brin's ex-sister-in-law, Susan Wojcicki, at YouTube, and Jack Dorsey at Twitter. The Silicon Six. All billionaires, all Americans, who care more about boosting their share price than about protecting democracy. This, This is ideological imperialism. Six unelected individuals in Silicon Valley imposing their vision on the rest of the world, unaccountable to any government and acting like they're above the reach of law. It's like we're living in the Roman Empire and Mark Zuckerberg is Caesar. At least that would explain his haircut. (laughs) Now, here's an idea. Instead of letting the Silicon Six decide the fate of the world, Let our elected representatives, voted for by the people of every democracy in the world, have at least some say. Ideological imperialism, I like that uh, term, and then the taking on the big six and how much power they have. Um, That's going to be a battle for quite some time, I think. The ability for Google and Facebook to start yanking people different directions in terms of what they believe and what knowledge they have is really, well, it's unprecedented in world history. No doubt about it. Donald Trump has just tweeted, another new stock market record. Enjoy. I am enjoying, actually. For some reason, I was going through. I don't, I'm, I'm a buy and hold guy for the most part. Just kind of set up everything and let it do its thing and realize I'm not going to be dipping into it for quite some time. So I don't check it on a regular basis. But for whatever reason, I was looking at my 401k and opening up some uh, other investments I have. And yeah, holy crap. The fact that the market's up like 26% for the year is just absolutely, and I'm sure this is true for all y'all, if you, especially if you got a 401k. It's absolutely amazing. Wow. If, if bing, that, bing, bong, bong, bing, bing, bing. If that's still hanging around come next October and Trump can tout that on the, uh, the campaign trail, that's going to make an, an impact on people. 
And talked earlier about the Tesla truck. I spent a little time looking into the reviews of that over the weekend, that weird-looking thing that looks like it was designed by children. I saw some ride-alongs from some reviewers. That thing is badass. I think it is so cool. So I think we figured out what happened with the the window shattering demonstration. Apparently, before they attempted to throw the the steel ball at the windows, they were demonstrating the strength of the the doors. Yeah, I saw that, and and it, it went well. They were hitting the doors with sledgehammers. And so apparently the sledgehammer swing like adjusted the casings that the the windows were in and oh, kind of cracked the base, so it in, it compromised the integrity of the windows. Interesting. So if they had done it inversed, where they did the window test first, their their assumptions are it would have gone perfectly. Yeah, the sledgehammer and the doors and not making any impact on that uh, super high grade steel was really something. But it is a it's a it's a pretty cool vehicle. It's monstrously huge, and it's just it's like a tank on the outside and the inside. And the best part of it, and I'm not trying to sell Teslas, it's just it's the first one that's really caught my fancy. Um, the steering wheel is like the steering wheel from the Batmobile, which I find really awesome. Uh, you you hear the stories in the news about how many people got on the waiting list with the deposit. The deposit's only a hundred dollars, and it's fully refundable. So. Not sure that that's that much of an indicator of people's commitment to buying a vehicle that's going to be between forty and eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, it's an indicator of something, but what I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty cool though. I'd like to ride in one. Um, more on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.